All right, welcome back in another edition of the Damn Podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, alongside, as always, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com for all the latest and greatest Oregon State coverage, BeaverBlitz.com. What time did you get home from the Wazoo game, Angie? Oh, gosh, it was late. I think I uh, finally went to bed about, I don't know, two-something. Two-something? Yeah. You know, I uh, we had Kerry Eggers on my radio show, and uh, he told a funny story. He got home at like 2.30, and he transcribed uh, uh, quotes, and he was in his pe- he was in some sweatpants, and he smoked a cigar and drank coffee, and was up till like five a.m. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Which is a great visual for anybody that's seen or met or knows Carrie Eggers. Smoking a cigar, having coffee. There you go. All right, so they they blow a twenty-one nothing lead against Washington State. Um, wh- what did you what did you make of that game? Well, I mean, I think it was exciting that first half. We saw some offensive production. Um, we saw, I mean, Ryan Nall is a is a stud. But um, just the little mistakes. I mean, how many offsides penalties? And, I mean, they had, a, what, over 110 yards of penalties, uh, which is going to kill a team that's just, you know, that's fighting and clawing. And, and I didn't uh, necessarily like all the adjustments. I didn't see many adjustments made after half, whereas I saw Washington State make it seemed like a lot of adjustments. So, um, you know, it's one of those, I think it's painful for players, coaches, fans, everyone involved, just because it was so close. Yeah, and I think that's the toughest part is we continue to talk about the, um, you know, the, the bright spot and the, you know, you walk away with the moral victory. And I think it gets to a point where moral victories are very understandable and people still walk away with, Hey, you know, five of your six losses are against top 25 teams in the college football playoff. You understand that these teams are just simply better than you. But in games like that, I almost feel like moral victories, it's tough to even concede to that idea given the the lead that you had. Exactly, exactly. I mean, Oregon State was completely dominating Washington State, shut them down. And even, you know, when Washington State was making a comeback, I thought the defense played pretty well in, in um, you know, I mean, they were they were hammering Falk pretty hard. You know, he kept walking to the sidelines, kind of grabbing his ribs and his arm. And so I, I think the defense played tough. It's just a matter of, you know, they were able to stop Oregon State and then Oregon State just gifting them, you know, with penalties and everything else. And I, I kind of hinges on, you know, there's a couple plays. I, I think of, you know, a couple. There was one, Kyle Haley, kind of a jump ball, but I didn't see him jump. You know, he's like, Yeah, with Gabe Marks. That was weird. Gabe Marks. And then there were, I mean, there was the uh, third and then fourth down with Ryan Nall that he couldn't, you know, get that yard. That was that was rough. And then, um, you know, credit to Washington State receivers. They made a couple amazing catches that were ruled out of bounds at the time. And mm-hmm. then once they go back and look at them, they actually got feet inbound. So, um, you know, it was kind of the thing that has haunted the Beavers, I think, in a lot of ways are these little mistakes. But, um, you know, one of these moments, one of these days, they're going to overcome that, I think, and we're going to see a big win. Yeah, that Craycraft, I think you got you got nothing but give a round of applause for the Craycraft catch. I mean, that was amazing. I thought in oh. real time... I, real time, I, it looked totally out. I mean, yeah, they just looked like there was no chance. Like, what are they even reviewing this for? And then you saw, you watch the replay, and I mean, he drags his foot right before his leg, which just with gravity and the way our bodies go, naturally slams down. That was just an amazing catch. And the Gabe Marks one, the jump ball, I think you're right. Like, you want to see the DBs make better plays than that. Like, still great catch by Gabe Marks. Good throw by Falk to even put it in that position. But I just kind of looked at that play and I go, yeah, depleted or not, like, jump up. Jump and try to make a play. They just stood there. Yeah, get your feet off the ground. Yes, you can't have that. And the other thing, too, that bugged me, 
because um, we'll talk a little bit more about like the, you know the whole walking away and feeling better about what their program is here in a second. But you know it did bug me like watching that game. Washington State is clearly the better team than you. They're a top twenty-five program. They deserve a ton of respect. But when you have a twenty-one nothing lead and you come out in the second half and you're flat, you have a third quarter where you have what three total yards. You can't come out in crucial situations and crucial drives and big down situations like third and one or fourth and two or whatever it was. You can't have false starts, especially from your center more than one time. You're playing at home. That is undisciplined. That's ugly. That's it's just it's gross. It's gross to watch football like that when the home team is the one committing all the penalties for false starts. There's no excuse for it. You know the snap count. It's not loud when you're going to snap the ball. Like stuff like that, I can understand why Gary Anderson was just pissed in the post game. Oh, completely. I mean, like I said, they gifted that game in in a lot of ways to Washington State because their own mistakes, you know, led to Washington State getting back in that game. What do you think happened in the third quarter? I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of the same. I mean, typically this season we've seen Oregon State come out flat the first half. I I, I don't know what. I can't see Gary Anderson making halftime, you know, not inspiring. Mm-hmm. But it, it is. It's like they kind of start, like, thinking, oh, okay, well, we got this. Yeah. And they let their foot off the gas. So it's it's still that change in mentality that they have to figure out a way to put four quarters of football together. It's it's a weird team and a weird program almost in that sense, isn't it, of have we seen four full quarters from this program since Gary Anderson took over? Seriously. I don't think so. See, I don't think so either. Because go back to even the garbage games. Weber State, they were barely winning that game at the half. I didn't see that. Idaho State, you're right on that one. Boise State, they're fired up. The place is going crazy. They don't show up to start the game. And that's the weird thing about it, whether that's being depleted with injuries and lack of talent uh, or whatever you want to call it. It's still a little odd that like we're two years in now. We still haven't seen four full quarters of Oregon State football. I just find that to be very curious. Especially with the staff. You know, it's not a quiet, laid-back staff. This is a pretty fiery, fiery bunch. I, Like I said, Gary Anderson, I can't see him, you know, giving a mellow halftime or pregame speech. Yeah, that's the weird thing, isn't it? It's it's the whole notion of this guy is such a competitor and, you know, so straightforward and tells his guys, you know, look, this is what we need to do to execute. we got to be better in these areas. And then they come out in these games and they're flat. Or they come out and they're fired up and then they're flat. It's just weird to watch it. And maybe that's part of the attrition of not having as many guys or having guys ready or banged up. But I just know as a fan, as as a media member covering this program, watching this, it's just odd to watch not one game of four full quarters. But I, I do think we are starting to see this team take on the identity of Coach Anderson. They're starting to be, you know, they're fighting, they're clawing. Mm-hmm. But they, I mean, you'd think that by now they would have figured out they can't take even a play. No. Off. And I think that's the tough part. And, and Gary Anderson made a good quote on this in the post game. You know, the closer you are, the, the harder, harder it gets. is. Yeah. It is. And yes. I, I think that's 100% accurate. Um, and it's the same thing. They said this before, um, before the win against Cal is like, you know, it, we're a lot closer than people think. Like, it, you see these these final results. The UW game's a good example. 41-17, right? It was 31 nothing at half. People that really watched that game understand Oregon State played pretty damn good football in the second half, hung with them, did some things. Um, but they were always closer than people gave them credit for. Boom, they come out and beat Cal. I think it's kind of the same thing here, too, where we talk about them not playing four full quarters 
the third quarter leaves me scratching my head of how you only get three yards. And that defense is good. They've improved in Pullman. But they're not, they're to not the, that good. No, they're not that yeah. good. So you're almost making them look better than what they really are. Those are head-scratching moments. Um, but I, I don't think he's off. When he says things like, the closer you are, the harder it gets, you felt so good and like a possible huge upset going on, but they just didn't have what it took to put it away. I mean, it's, think about last year, though. Last year, every game was a blowout. Mm-hmm. And I think fans, everybody kind of just expected, okay, Beavers are going to get killed today. Yeah. Whereas now it's, you know, Vegas may still have them, you know, two touchdown dogs, but yeah, there's still that hope of, okay. I mean, even this week against Stanford, and I'm sure we'll get to this, I, I think the Beavs could play tough and hang with them. So you have that, maybe that glimmer of hope, and they do. And then they come out and play a first half like they did at Washington State, or a second half like they did at Washington, or, you know, there's all these, you know, pieces like we're talking about. And it is. It's the closer you get, the harder it is because those losses then sting because you can feel it. It's within grasp. Yeah, we'll save our things on Stanford. I kind of have an uh, an interesting thought on Stan- the Stanford game this weekend because you mentioned Vegas. I think Vegas right now it's at seventeen, so it's a three score game wow. that they think the difference is between these two programs. Which on paper I can understand it, but if you're following Oregon State, uh, I should point out by the way, I believe they are five two and one against the spread this year which is yes. amazing. So people think that they're this terrible team and they're not good win-loss-wise, but, man, they play a lot closer than people give them credit for. Yeah, they, and, they're hanging right there. What did you think of the Null run? How about that, 89 oh yards? Gosh. So, Brian, I don't know about you, but watching that run, seriously, I had to watch it a couple times because mm-hmm. you watch it, and Ryan Null doesn't look like some like sprinter when he's running. No, he doesn't. But yet you watch him then with these DBs, who you know aren't slow, and he's pulling away from them. It's very odd, isn't it? Because we had talked a lot of... Yes, yes. We talked about Nall. Everybody's talked about Nall and the size and the strength and the toughness. He's like, I think at this point, it's just obvious. He is fast. Yeah. I mean, he's pulling. It's not even, you know, he gets a lead. I mean, he's pulling away from those guys. Well, and and I'll say this, too. And he did it at Oregon, too. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say was, like, it was cool to see it against UW, like that 89-yard run. You thought, uh, this DB's going to catch him and, like, dive and trip him with his arm. He just couldn't get close enough to do it. Mm -hmm. And you go back to the Civil War game, I remember being in the stands for that, and, like, I was losing my S because I, I was watching him go on these big runs, and I was thinking... They can't catch him in the they secondary. It's amazing. And, but yet, like I said, watching him, he doesn't look fast. No, no, no. He doesn't look fast at all. But he is. When I, I, wa- I mean, it, it's impressive. <coughs> when, I watch, when I watch him, I think goal line running back sometimes. No, exactly, exactly. And he's tough to bring down. I mean, he's, he's a player. And, you know, I'll never forget his dad was, is in Beaver Blitz and was talking about, you know, when there was all this – discrepancy about you know what position when he was a recruit you know what does he play and his dad kept mm-hmm. saying he's a running back really and you know i'm like yeah i still think he's a linebacker or tight end he's yeah he looks too big but dang dad was right kids got wheels well and i'll say this too uh riley was right too he really hyped that kid up in that recruiting class i remember that yeah yeah and he you know he definitely has deceptive speed what did you make of marcus mcmarion's play it's okay. I mean, he's not, um, you know, it, it's funny because you'll hear some people say that he's, that he's been the answer all along. I don't agree with that. But what in, um, in what regard do you hear that? Like, just like to be the program's quarterback yeah, or just yeah, the season? Yeah, that he should have been the starter from day one. I, I oh. don't get, 
agree with that. Yeah. But he hasn't, you know, he he's made some good passes. The, the thing that I see with him is, and maybe this is just perception, but when you see him and things aren't going quite right, it, it looks like he gets really rattled to me. He gets, um, you know, a little more, it gets in his head a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think some of his passes have been good. Um, and he hasn't done anything too, you know, he hasn't done anything horrendous to, to mess things up. And right now, it's it's not like any quarterback has, has shown me that they are, you know, lights out. Yeah. When I guess by saying you think he gets rattled, your example here would probably be the third quarter, right? Where they go to a couple three and outs, they literally can't move the ball, and suddenly Washington State's making a comeback. Exactly, exactly. You know, if you watch his body language and just kind of the way he looks, it, it, you can tell it's getting to him. Well, and I, I wouldn't reside with the opinion of, you know, this. He was it was his job all along. I, we never thought that. In fact, I don't think anybody out there, legitimately, diehard fan or not, nobody even threw that out there, of McMarion should be starting over Garrettson, or I guess even at that point, um, maybe even Mason Moran, if, if he was going to play. And nobody saw Connor, Connor, uh, Connor Blount coming. But I will say what I've seen from him and what I saw from Blount before he got hurt, what I saw from Garrettson before he got hurt, it's no different. Like, if anything, I would say he's probably been a little bit better. Yeah, um, yeah. Blount, when he, before he got hurt, and granted it was like two or three plays, there was a feel with him and we saw it against Colorado of just all right like the for lack of a better term the cute factor wore off right where he played in the second half against Boise State and people were like hey this Connor Blount kid's good and then you go to Colorado Colorado's a damn good program but you literally couldn't move the ball and yeah. then even against um uh Utah for three plays you just got the sense of man that front seven overwhelmed him and just yeah. like left him stifled and stymied and so I will say, based on what we've seen from the other guys, um, I've liked what I've seen from McMarion. I, I do I do agree to an extent of maybe he gets rattled when things aren't going well, um, but I also think that's a product just in, entirely on their offense, too, where the offensive line breaks down a little bit, the running game doesn't get established, or they lose it. Um, I think it's almost a whole offensive-wide problem. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I also think it does help Marcus a lot that he's not looking over his shoulder. He knows that he's quarterback right now. Which is great because, I mean, realistically, he didn't start back-to-back games last year. So every week it was like, a, am I going to play? Exactly. I mean, that's hard for any kid, especially a quarterback. Hell who's yeah. Who's trying to get in a rhythm and, and get you know, on the same page with his, with his uh, receivers. It's, you know, it's a big deal. Yeah. No, no doubt. There, it absolutely is. Um, but I like what I've seen from the kid thus far. And, and I'm really curious to see what he's got. He's not the program quarterback. He's not a guy that's... You know, even if he plays well, he's going to come back next year and be your starter. I think they're absolutely going to go one of three ways. I think they're going to go back to Garrettson. I think they're going to go to Mason Moran early and say, this is your program, kid. Take it. Let's see what you got. Or they're going to let that JC transfer kid come in and take the reins and throw in some new wrinkles and try to change things up a little bit. Yeah. Oh, completely. I mean, that's, uh, you know, Connor Blount, Marcus McMarion, then would be the backups. I'm, I'm really anxious to see what Mason Moran can do. Because he has so much talent, high school, um, came in and, and looked pretty good in the spring. And then I think it was just a matter of so much going on. I mean, you know, here's a kid right out of high school, leaves early, and it's drinking out of a fire hose, plus adjusting to college life. Yeah. Um, I, so he kind of, I think, maybe stumbled a bit. But from what I've heard, he's been doing great in practice and has really, you know, settled down and settled into his role. 
And, you know, just a great year for him just to learn the system and get everything down. He has the playbook down, and now it's just a matter of, you know, he'll get his shot in the spring again. Well, and, and I would say, first of all, that's great to hear that people and coaches in that program think he's been improving on the scout team and showing them a lot in practices. Um, the second thing I want to ask about Wazoo's game, what did you think of the defense? Do you think it, it was – do you think it's just inconsistencies in boneheaded plays, or did you think it was attrition? It was not having the depth, playing guys, wearing them out that really did them in, especially in that second half and fourth quarter. They needed to get stops, and the running backs for Wazoo just ran all over them. I, I do think it's, it's the attrition and lack of depth. I mean, they are so decimated right now with injuries, with um, you know guys that are you know playing hurt, and it's. I think it overwhelms them. You know, even you have true freshmen that had their red shirt burned to only to get hurt and sit out that game. So, um, there, and then new freshmen coming in. So it's a, it's very lack of depth. Um, and then I still want to see a little more pass rush from the D D line. It's, yeah. It, they've really struggled with that. And this week's going to be, I think, hugely important against a team like Stanford to have some type of a pass rush. So, um, you know, I think as they can build some depth, I think that's why they're going to be hitting JUCOs really hard, especially in the secondary, that um, they need some safeties, cornerbacks that can come in and play immediately and, and add depth. So I think we see a lot of that coming forward. Did you see Mike Leach's comments? I want to say it was on Monday. Uh, they, they were talking to him, and he brought up the Oregon State game again, and he goes, you know what? Oregon State's every bit as talented as we are. Did you agree with that? No, that that was totally a play from him. On I mean, Oregon State is battling him right now on several recruits, a couple who were committed to him, and then after a visit to Oregon State, opened things back up. Oh because, shoot! So that is um, total gamesmanship by him, trying to get in the ear of these recruits, saying, "Oh yeah, we're we're, we're the same. We're you know Oregon State. We're so." And so then he can say, "But we beat them because we, we're better." Yeah. You know what? Total gamesmanship. I'm curious if you have any insight on this. Like you just you've heard things or you know things in terms of recruiting. When I think of Mike Leach recruiting an 18 year old, a 17 year old, I don't know why. Like you could preach your system, like hey, you know we're gonna pass a lot, and you're a great playmaker. I can't envision him sitting with a kid and legitimately saying anything appealing to a 17, 16, 18 year old kid outside of. You know, our offense is a lot of fun. I just feel like he would sit down with you and say, are you an entitled little brat who spits on society because that's not what you're going to be in Pullman? Like, I just can't picture him (laughs) being a great recruiter one-on-one. You know, when you talk to recruits that are looking at Washington State, they very seldom bring up Mike Leach. It's always one of the other assistants. You know, Joe Salavea is huge on the recruiting trail, especially with the uh, Samoan kids. Um, But it's their system. You know, I, I think a wide receiver or a quarterback obviously kind of gravitates toward that idea of, you know, the 100 plays a game kind of thing in yeah. air raid. But I have, I mean, there's several recruits and players and, and parents that I've talked spoken to over the years that they do talk about, you know. And, you know, some actually think he's like this amazing mind and some say, yeah, that trip was weird. You know, they <laughs> have told me. Uh, he's weird. So um, <laughs> it's it's always interesting, you know, to hear perspective and yeah. and uh, I mean, he's total cerebral. He's mm-hmm. a different dude. So uh, you know, it's a matter. It's funny. I, I'd love to hear from Luke Falk and just hear what he thinks of you know Mike Leach because he can say some off the wall things and and other things. He's but yet it's kind of like a, a train wreck. 
when he's speaking, I just kind of want to listen because you never know what yes. might pop out of his mouth. Yes. I mean, did you hear him talking about talking about how he picked Jamal Morrow as his captain? Yes, with the Price is Right story. Yeah, I mean, this is a media conference. He's going on about, well, you know, he was on the Price is Right and he was pretty lucky. So, um, you know, I mean, he almost won the dang thing. So, I mean, you're just, it's, like I said, it's like a train wreck. You just kind of sit there and just kind of look at him with this, like, I always have this puzzled look on my face, like, what is he talking about? But yeah. Yes, it is interesting to hear what recruits, but I do think a lot of offensive players are drawn to the system, and then the defensive players are, are drawn to different coaches. Well, and if if listeners out there haven't had, and I have no idea what we're talking about, Jamal Moore and Leach, uh, basically, oh, go find it. Go it's find hilarious. it, but I'll sum it up for you. He basically, in a press conference, talked about how he decides captains and guys to choose the coin toss. <laughs> you know, you just need to be smart enough to decide heads or tails. And then I thought, well, Jamal Morrow's a really nice kid, and he was on the prices right. He actually got kind of far, so he's a little lucky, and I'm just going <laughs> to throw him out there. He's not a believer of, like, this whole captain thing that we, we as a society have gotten too into yes. doing everything as a group. And so, you know, yes. do you it really was... need a gr- he's like, do you really need a group to go out and – call heads or tails. He no. was so funny. I mean, he had a line like, well, and then I thought, should we send the biggest guy out yeah. there or should we send the littlest guy out there? And then I thought that doesn't matter. <laughs> it was, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it yet, you've got to seek out that audio. Um, and I know what you're saying. We interviewed him, I want to say a couple weeks back on my show. And we were just, I can't remember how he got into it, but he eventually got to a point where he started talking about how uh, there's this big constipa- constipation of society. Like huh. he went into, he went total like anti PC of, you know, we're too afraid to say how we really feel. And if you say something, you should be fired or you should quit your life. And that's just not right. And we should be speaking from the heart. And well, he's a, tr- he's a total Trump supporter, which, you know, if you are too, that's fine. But that's kind of his basis and how he thinks is like he buys into Trump speaking from the heart. So that's kind of how he rolls. Uh-huh. And I've interviewed Luke Falk before. He's a great kid, but we've asked him, and he's like, I just love Coach, man. He's so honest. He says the funniest stuff. Like, I guess there was a play once that they were breaking down in film sessions, and he rewinds it, and he asks Luke, like, what what could you have done better here? And Luke really just tripped over himself, really didn't have an explanation or answer. And Leach, I guess, just simply responded, well, hell, we might as well just punt in those situations in the future. We're better off than what you did. <laughs> and then he just nonchalantly moves on to the next play. So hearing stories like that and having heard him so many times, um, it doesn't surprise me to hear you tell me and tell us, the listeners, like that you've talked to recruits and their parents just think those trips are weird because he's kind of an interesting dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard an interview one time, and it might have been media. I think it was media day a couple years ago, and mm-hmm. he – like starts, they want to talk football, and he's like, I want to talk football, and he starts <laughs> in on some trip to Hawaii that he like was out, you know, out swimming in his speedo out in the lagoon. I mean, it was like the weirdest, and you're just like, what? Yeah. Anytime you interview, I'll give this to young journals out there. Anytime you get a chance to interview him, he honestly is almost one of those guys. You have to be half prepared for football, half prepared to improvise or ask life questions about. Like any, like, cause we're in the business of getting headlines, right? And generating conversation. You almost have to be prepared. Like we asked him, what did you think about the first presidential debate? Because we had gotten wind that he might be a diehard Republican Trump okay. guy. And so he exact, he played right into it too. He was like, 
well, I thought Trump clearly won. Like, we had a ton of people texting, what the hell did this guy watch in that first debate? Like, he just plays into that character and that narrative so well. And I don't even mean to say character, because that's just who he is. Yes, who he is. Um, and he doesn't give a damn. No, you know? he, he it, doesn't whatsoever. It's kind of refreshing. Who had the worst fake punt, Washington State or Oregon State? Because <laughs> I, I have an interesting was, opinion on this. I actually think the Beavers was pretty bad, but you might go the other direction. No, I'm for sure going to take Oregon State's. As hey. as dumbfounded and inexplicable as that fake punt was for Washington <laughs> State. They were on their own like 30-yard line. Yeah, yeah. And they ran it with their kicker. As dumb as that was, especially in the moment, Oregon State's was worse. Because here's the thought. First of all, you want a fake punt? Okay. But don't do it when they expect it. When they, that's, yeah, it was kind of like, okay, well, we... Okay, they're they're gonna fake punt here. I mean, yes. I called it. Yes, I was on my couch going, "This is they're gonna fake it." Like it's fourth and one, the game's kind of hanging in the balance. You need this first down to have a chance. Like if I'm the coach for Washington State, and I don't even know anything about football compared to some of these guys, I'm literally screaming for base defense and to they're gonna fake it. They're going to fake it. If anything, you let them kick with no guy back. Yeah, yeah. And to, for Gary Anderson and that staff to still do that play. Like, Tim Cook's a great, he's a good player. But come on, like, they knew you were going to do that. If you want the first down, line up with your horses and call the right play and just fight for it on offense. Don't fake punt it in situations where teams know you're going to do that. Exactly. No, and that's, and the other little bringing that up about the, we didn't see, or maybe we saw one, but I don't recall even seeing any of the options where Marcus McMarion kept the ball. Yeah, I didn't either. There were a couple that I swear, I, th- I think I counted three that he could have picked up a first down if he just kept it. Yeah. No, they, they get into the handing handing the ball off. They don't like to do Kinda the like quarterback runs. Kind of like when Seth runs. Collins is back in Wildcat, you know he's going to keep the ball. Well, and that that was always my problem. And, and by the way, that's still a problem of mine. You want to do that play, that's great. Like, I don't, I mean, why would you not want to? He's a great athlete. You have to have a pass package in that thing. Yeah. Like, he, he literally played quarterback for you most of all of last season. He's not the most accurate thrower, great, but holy crap, he can throw a five-yard pass. Like, give him the option to throw a ball. Or like a Tebow package. Remember Tebow, his freshman year at Florida, would do those goal line runs, and then half the time he would do those jump passes to the quarterback. Yeah. you got to have those wrinkles in if you're going to do a package like that. Otherwise, it's what Texas is doing with Swoops. Swoops comes in against Notre Dame, and it's a good mix, and they, they hit him. But then after the one game, it's like Swoops isn't going to throw the ball. He's going to run it, so we know what they're going to do. Yeah. That's, I what, mean, that's what happens. Predictable. I mean, it takes me back to my, my days in college when we kind of knew that it was going to be a, a keeper up the middle or, or the Shanklin shuffle. Yeah. Well, literally when you weren't going to pass the ball ever. Yep. Shanklin shuffle up the middle. Um. What did you think of Gary Anderson's post game? He seemed pretty pissed, and, and I said this on the radio show. He seemed to be a point where he's so he's so conscientious of where the program is and what he's looking for that normally I feel like in those post games he's like, you know, disappointed, but he also says, you know, we fought well. I liked our fight in this quarter or in that moment. I got more of a sense of just absolutely embarrassed and pissed that they blew a twenty one nothing lead. No, that's yeah. I mean, he's all he's never happy when he comes in after a, a loss, but yeah, he was he was pissed. I, I would probably not have wanted to be in the locker room after that game. Which is interesting because even if you make the argument that Oregon State's clearly not ready to beat a team like Wazoo yet, a top 25 program, 
Um, I like that the coach at least is holding them to that that kind of accountability. Yeah, and, and it gives. I think it should give Beaver Nation hope for next year. And I hate saying that. I hate being that person like, oh, just wait for next year. Yeah. But, you know, they are, they're learning. They're learning trial by fire right now. And they should be 100 times better next year. Well, and, and I'll say this, too, because we'll get to Stanford here in just a second. I don't want to count out either, by the way, the rest of their schedule. Oh, There's... no. That's what I was going to say here. Yeah. I, I have two wins kind of penciled on the calendar or oh, the schedule right now. You got two wins? I've got two. Okay, give me them. Arizona and Oregon. Oh, you think they beat the Ducks? I do. I, I think wow. Duck fan right now is so riding high and, oh, we're, we're back. We're back. But, dude, Ooh. I'm sorry. Arizona State. Yeah. I mean, they might be worse than Oregon State. Oh, honestly, at, the, at this rate, the way they're so depleted, they played a third-string quarterback and then half the time put their running back in to run the Wildcat. Um, I Hard to argue that point. If Arizona State came to OSU, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put past OSU to win that game at all. I mean, I'm sorry, Ducks. I, I know you think you're back on top of the world, but no. <laughs> no, I actually, I have a couple of Duck friends. I don't think they think that yet. Okay. <laughs> I well. think they're serious in saying that was literally the worst pass defense in the entire country, not just the conference. And it was still a game with like six minutes to go. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so those two, I actually have, I got, I, I'm not going out on a limb saying they're for sure, you know. Yeah. But I, I have those as pencil W's right now. I'm really liking the Arizona game right now for the Beavers. The way yeah. they're playing, the way they fight, I'm just not seeing it from Arizona whatsoever. And that yeah. could prove to be a loss, but I've I'm like... I'm sorry, for as bad as football is right now in the state of Oregon, Yes. I think it's worse for the state of Arizona. I think it really might be. I mean, the expectations are different here with one program versus the other. But mm -hmm. I think overall, you might be right, because one of them doesn't have a conference win, and the other, their record's the biggest lie of who they are of almost anybody in college football. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to argue that point. I like that Arizona game before the year started. Yeah, I do I, I grow Arizona to like it. Arizona in November? Yes. 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 I grow to like it more and more as time passes. And then, I mean, UCLA... You know, I'm, I don't know. But. Let's see UCLA tonight. Recording this on a Thursday. It's yeah. 4 o'clock. UCLA plays, plays Colorado at like, what, 5.30? Yeah, five, 6, I think. 6 o'clock? Okay, so I, I really want to see UCLA because Rosen's probably going to be out the rest of the year. I want to see what UCLA is going to do. Like, how do they respond? Because I feel like there's an element of them that they've almost lost, Mora's lost that locker room. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, and they're soft. I, I, said that, I said that, I think, at the beginning of the year. But shout out to my kid, my 8-year-old kid who comes home from school today, flips on the TV and yells at me, hey, Ma, his whole purpose was to check what game was on tonight. Oh, really? Yes, he's eight. And um, he was also my child who needed a Halloween costume for school uh -huh. and decided he grabbed, I have an old air cast, you know, ankle brace thing, put it on and put on a beaver jersey and a baseball hat and said he was Daryl Garrison. <laughs> you should have put him in a boot. I, you know what? We, the boot we have is my husband's, so it was way too big for the little no, eight-year-old. You should have just jokingly given him, like, a real snow boot. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, so this is my – so shout-out to my little eight-year-old because, dude, he is on top of things tonight because I had totally forgot that game was on tonight. I, I did, too. I didn't know that until about an, an hour prior to this podcast. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It's a Thursday night game. Yeah. So, I, like I said, I, I know that will probably ruffle some feathers, but I do think those last two games – and it, what will be interesting, and I, I don't want to get on the hot seat, and we are not the Duck Podcast, but I've heard several different rumors that, um, you know, 
coaching changes still aren't off the table down at Oregon. Which is interesting because that buyout is massive for him. It's like 11.6. It's massive if you don't have a team owner named Phil Knight. Yeah, that's true, but they haven't traditionally spent money on coaches. I have heard he may be willing to write some checks. Which, and I'll say this, this is the last thing about Ducks. We'll move on to the Stanford game. Yes. Uh, I'll say this too. I really do believe for the whole narrative about that guy's job and the future down there, um, first of all, I think long-term if you're a Beaver fan, you're cheering for Mark Helfrich to stay there. Um, I just, I've never bought into him as a great coach. I thought that was a stupid hire trying to take over for a guy like him. He was the offensive coordinator of an offense he didn't create, nor did he call plays for. Um, second of all, I think if they win one of their three big games, which is Utah, Stanford, and USC, they win any one of those three, I legitimately believe they're going to give them one more year. Yeah, I mean, they do have a tough schedule. They do have a tough schedule. And if they win one of those games, people are like, oh, hey, he beat USC, or hey, he beat Stanford. Um, But let's get into the Stanford game. Well, before we do that, I want to give a quick update to, I know some of the listeners love recruiting talk. So I want to give a quick little mention here of the recruits. Cause oh, I was going to I was gonna get to recruit after Stanford, but let's just oh. do it. How did the recruiting trip go for, for all four of the kids last week? It, it was great. So Brian Cole is the safety out of East Mississippi. Uh, he was a former four-star, played at Michigan. Um, he loves his trip. I, you know, I'd be really, really shocked if he doesn't end up at Oregon State, to be yeah. honest. Um, Brandon Peely, so he was not an official visitor, but he he showed up as an unofficial visitor. He is the big-time D-tackle out of Westview, James Dockery program up in... Oh, yeah, 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 no doubt. So he was unofficial, so that's his second uh, game in a row that he's made it, but um, I do think he's holding out. um, UCLA, USC have offered, he's planning trips there, and Washington is like his dream school, so... I expect Washington could come through with an offer here in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. But as far as the Beavers' other visitors, Mo Unotoa, uh, an O-lineman out of Kapa'a in uh, Kauai, came. Again, these guys just love their trip. And then two commits, Isaiah Miller, the running back out of Florida, Justin Gardner, a cornerback out of Georgia. So those two are the commits. Loved everything about what they saw. Um, Isaiah tells me that he will visit Syracuse. Um, just because they've been on him a long, long time. But he does plan to graduate early and will be at Oregon State. His plan is for spring term. So um, that is pretty pretty big for, for Beaver fans. He's 5'11", 191, has put up crazy numbers. And then, you know, you couple that with T.J. Green, who, you know, he had a 305-yard game this a week ago against Hamilton, which is their big rivalry game. Huge game for him. So um, I'm actually heading down to Arizona here in the next week to uh, hopefully see him uh, play. So it'll be kind of fun to see Chandler play. But um, no, it was overall no commitments from this weekend, but um, kind of solidified two guys and then has has two guys, you know, just kind of weighing their options at this point. How do you feel about the class right now? Update on the class. It's good. Um, In fact, I just made a big, long post in the Lodge, which is the premium message board, and it kind of, I broke down every position, where they are, uh, who's left. I I do think we see some more JUCO cornerbacks Mm -hmm. kind of pop into the mix, um, just because there's such need there. But um, it's it's shaping up nicely. A, a D tackle is going to be huge. So Craig Evans, the the JUCO out of Arizona Western, um, you know Brandon Peely would be one uh, to watch. Uh, Jamal Evans or Jamal uh, Winter, sorry. Um, so there's some guys out there that we're watching, but it's you know 18 commitments right now, and this it'll be a full class of 25. 
Are you, I'm curious if it, has it improved? Has it maybe slid down a little bit? Is it gotten better? Like, how do you view the class from where it was maybe, I don't know, a few months ago? You know, it's, it's probably pretty much the same. As far, you know, it's, it's very heavily three-star loaded, which is nothing to sneeze at. That's, that's kind of where you know, most programs are, to be honest, unless you're Alabama. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the momentum, I think, is picking up a little bit. You know, Oregon State is in you know, final two with Isaiah Hodgins, the four-star wide receiver out of uh, Walnut Creek, California. He's actually going to be deciding between Oregon and Oregon State. So that's that's pretty big for for fans. Um, Tyari Venable again was a Washington State commit. Opened up his recruitment after his trip to Oregon State. Another one to watch. Um, Jamiri Calvin, another four-star wide receiver. You know he's right there in the mix. Plans on announcing at um, the Army All-American game, and Oregon State is right there. You know, I mean, he has Notre Dame and Alabama and Cal and some huge programs in, in Oregon State is right in the mix there. So um, I think, like I said, momentum wise, the Beavers are, you know, doing better. I, they just need another win or two to really kind of solidify this upswing. And before we get to Stanford, I got to ask, um, where, where do you think they're, where do you think Hodges is leaning? I, I think Hodges, if I, if you were to put a gun in my head right now, I'd say Oregon. Really? But you, I, you just cannot count out the staff. And, I, you know, Coach Anderson has been amazing getting guys on the phone and, and at least getting visits from them and selling his vision. And then, you know, you, you put in Coach Baldwin and Coach um, Brennan, who have been recruiting Isaiah. Isaiah's dad played uh, for Coach Baldwin. So there's a relationship there. Um, it, you know, this summer, Isaiah was pretty much – I mean, he was a Washington State commit, but when he came up for the opening – I know Oregon was really kind of on his mind. Hmm. Oregon State was really kind of off his radar at that point. Yeah. And uh, the Beavers have wiggled their way right back in and have, actually, like I said, now they're a top, a top two for him. So, um, you know, Nebraska's there, but sources close tell me that it's really an Oregon, Oregon State battle right now. Does the quarterback thing really hurt Oregon State in your opinion? Like Gary Anderson's great. He's a good recruiter. The relationship with Baldwin's there. Does it hurt, you think, Oregon State that there's a freshman kid that's proving himself to be pretty damn good for them, and that's clearly the wave of the future so they know the quarterback situation versus if you're him and you're looking at OSU, you like Anderson, maybe you like the coaching staff, but who the hell is going to be the quarterback getting him the ball? Yeah, I think that, that uh, you know, has some to play, but you know, Isaiah actually plays on a 7-on-7 seven seven team with Oregon State's uh, quarterback commit, Aiden Willard. So, you know, there's some familiarity there. Mm-hmm. And I think every coach in the country is telling him, just don't pick Oregon because of their coach, because yeah, that coach yeah. may not be there. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. That's a selling point that I would be throwing out on the recruiting trail. I don't care if people think that's dirty. I think that's a reality of what it's life is. It's a total reality. And, you know, they tell kids that all the time. You, you choose a school for the school, not the coach. Yeah. But when it's hard to do when you're making building those relationships. And yeah. It really is tenuous there. So Yeah. All right. So uh, good stuff there on the recruiting trail. The next podcast, we'll ask more about that, get some more information. Angie and Beaver Blitz, uh, the people in the place to go check everything out there. If you're not a member, join beaverblitz.com. 
Uh, it's got great content. Even the people who don't join right away, hey, you maybe want to fill out the website, uh, go check it out. They've got good write-ups. They've got people down there at Cor- in Corvallis and going at pra- every practice, game reports, video, et cetera, beaverblitz.com. Yeah, Let- former players breaking down film, so it's Boom. Kind of fun. Jeez, yeah. that's all you could ask for, too, is breaking things down, helping Especially explain it. offensive line. We have a, a former offensive lineman that actually goes play-by-play, play, grading out each lineman. That is fantastic. It has made stuff. me a smarter, smarter viewer myself. Yeah, um, let's get to the Stanford game. Oregon let's State taking on Stanford. Um, right now, Vegas just doesn't think it's going to be a game. Three scores, seventeen is the Vegas consensus. If I'm looking at this correctly, no Beavers keep it, keep it. Uh, sorry, there's my phone dinging. Oh, that's Not okay. a commitment though, guys. No commitment <laughs> yet. Um, I would interrupt the podcast if it was a if there was a commitment. I, I keep, think the Beavers beat the spread there. You think it's going to be closer than that? I do. Yeah, you know, I, I haven't picked a score, mm-hmm. but I, you know, there's something in me that thinks the Beavers can win. Really? You really I, feel that way? Yeah, I just do. I don't know what it is, but and yeah, you don't never. When I say that, like my gut tells me that, then you all you should totally go the other way, Brandon, because. You know, I'm the one that used to come out of, you know, midterms and say, I ace that. Yeah. And then I'd fail it or something. And then the ones I came out thinking, oh, God, that was hard. Yeah. I'd do well. So, yeah, run the other way when I say I feel like the Beavs could do something here. But well, I feel like you're not alone in that. We did, and we'll get to damn questions here. We do have a listener, uh, Jack. That was his question. He's like, am I crazy for yeah, thinking Oregon said, what, State could win this? 17 I think, is what Jack, what Jack uh, predicts. Which, Beavers. look... If that's the score range, I can understand that. I, I will say I don't think you're crazy, but it's hard for me to imagine with McCaffrey back, Stanford having this up and down year. They're five and three, and people think they're just garbage, which is kind of funny. There's something about them being in that position that I don't like as a an opponent, right? Like people think, oh, Stanford's no good. They're garbage. David Shaw's had to answer questions about why they've lost maybe three games in a row. Christian McCaffrey's been banged up. And yet they're sitting here at five and three, and I think they're in a great position to finish a year out nine and three or even eight and four and have people go, whoa, look what Stanford was able to do on a down year. I don't like that position for Oregon State. Stanford is just so loaded with talent. I mean, you look at their offensive line, and I mean, I look at that line and I, I think, gosh, there are so many guys. Well, even their receivers, you know, Trent Irwin. McCaffrey, the line, they're all guys that were like Oregon State's top picks or, you know, top offerees yeah and you just sit there and you're like and they're smart yeah i mean that's there's one team that i think can just they can keep their cool they're smart they um it, it's stanford you know coach Shaw's an amazing coach that's why i said i think i'm a little crazy because i think oregon state can hang with them but th- then i kind of go back to the reality of they don't have bright yep. first half which and, is, I again, that's the stupidest rule in sports. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was. I didn't even I, think I that was targeting. targeting. I get he was, it. I get that. But he, but he was diving at the kid. He was diving at the, yeah. Yes. You know, it, it's ridiculous. He, he was going for a tackle direction. in the middle of that slide. It was stupid. Yeah. Um, real quick, was McCaffrey close to Oregon State or was that they just offered? They offered, um, you know, he had a relationship with Coach Riley and some just, you know, dating yeah. back to the NFL days and things. But, um, and he went to the same high school actually as Luke Del Rio. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So um, that was, there was some, some talk there. Trent Irwin actually really looked hard at Oregon State until Stanford offered and then it was all over. Hard to beat Stanford when yeah. kids are smart and they're really good at sports. <laughs> I mean, and that's like Washington. I looked at Washington and their defense, I, I just was kind of shaking my head. I mean, Elijah Qualls was 
loved Oregon State. I interviewed him, I remember, at the opening at Nike and loved Oregon State. And it, it kind of was like, okay, if I don't get into Washington, then Oregon State's where I'm going. I mean, it was, Damn. there's so many. Keyshawn Beeria is, uh, you know, there's a lot of yeah. guys that Oregon State was right there at the, you know. Well, and I will say too, in in terms of this game, uh, there's the one thing that leaves me optimistic. It's not that the secondary is that great. I know Xavier Crawford is questionable for this game, um, but Stanford literally can't throw the ball this year. Like even the last game, Chris had two touchdowns, but he threw for like a buck twenty. Yeah, I mean this game, I think really comes down to the D line, and then Caleb Solo. They got to stop the run. Yeah, which is never easy not going to be easy. Especially with that team that basically has like a, a potential all NFL offensive line. No, I mean, yeah, every single one of those guys was a five-star mm-hmm. offensive lineman. And yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be tough, but I don't know. I, I, I don't have a score yet, but there's just some little piece of me. I mean, home field advantage really isn't there. Oh, for it doesn't exist on the farm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't go as far as to a win, but if you were to like, you know, I hate the I hate the expression, but put a gun to my head. Yeah. <laughs> you put a gun to my head. I would probably bet the. I'd probably take Oregon State in the seventeen the points. points. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they'll keep it. I think they'll keep stay within the spread. Because I don't think they're quite as bad as Arizona, and Stanford just destroyed Arizona. I also think there's an element of the way these two teams play, and traditionally they have played. I don't know. Sometimes styles make fights, and I could see the element of Gary Anderson's toughness, David Shaw respecting the hell out of Gary Anderson and what he's doing. Stanford's still running the ball and winning, but this game being like, uh, you know, a thirty to seventeen or a thirty, yeah, like a thirty to seventeen yeah. type game. Yeah. You know, I could see well, that. I mean, Oregon State, like you said, is matched up traditionally well with a Stanford. They're not some um, razzle dazzle offense. I mean, this is going to be a tough physical game, and Oregon State has matched up well with them under the past staff and this staff. I mean, they've yeah. matched up well with Utah, you know, the <laughs> USC, Stanford. Those are the types of games that Oregon State usually performs a little better than some of the, the trickeration teams. One, I think you got a little optimism, too. Like, if you can come out and that first possession, I, I think they're going to try to just run the ball down your throats and set the tempo. If you can get them on some early three and outs and put them in passing situations... You've got to blitz that kid because that kid can't. He's not great. He's not accurate. Um, he's a little. He's very inconsistent. You get some pressure on him and putting him passing in, situ- in passing situations. Uh, I think suddenly you start to shift a little bit to hey, maybe we can be in this thing come fourth quarter time. Yeah, exactly. And this don't forget they fun. were they were weren't they barely losing at halftime in that game last year? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you were with them last year and you were a far worse team. Um, this year they're a far worse team than they were, and you've gotten a little better. Hey, there's, ma- there's a confidence too around some of the players down in Corvallis. Yeah, they kind I, of have this I little quiet two. confidence to them. So yeah, I wrote so the spread. Yeah, I would probably bet this. Yeah, I would take the 17 points. I I I think that's that's a little too big. Stanford hasn't been one of those teams all year to go out there and and beat people by 50. I know they just destroyed Arizona, but they traditionally for the season haven't really done that. Yeah, and Arizona's bad. <laughs> yeah, Arizona might be the worst team in the conference. They're which, bad. if you're if you're Arizona and you're looking at Rich Rod a little side eyed, like how could you possibly be worse than Oregon State? Like that, yeah. there's no yeah. excuse for that. All right, so we both have that being a close game. Um, I, I just I want to see it, man. I whether that's a double digit loss or a win or 
a close loss. I, I just want to see what we talked about earlier. I just want to see the fight from start to finish. Yep, a four-quarter game. Yes, don't give me second quarter, you, you have five yards of offense. Like, there's no excuse for five to three yards of offense in a quarter. None. I mean, you, you and I could do that. Okay, maybe we couldn't, but... No, but I'll tell you what, we could literally coach that. We could, yes. We could coach a team to go out there and get five yards against anybody in this conference. <laughs> I could draw up two plays that I think could give me six yards against Washington's defense. Are you kidding me? You could. I, I know it. I could, too. You're it's just, right. It's just frustrating. Like, I know they're not great. I'm not expecting them to beat these teams or lose by two points, but... For God's sakes, man, you can't be up 21 nothing and then suddenly forget what to do on offense to the point of three yards. <laughs> and, and get false starts in your own home Yeah, stadium. you know the damn snap count. Why are you having false starts? <laughs> and it's not just traditional. It's the center. It's the, the center, yeah. The center doesn't know the snap. Everybody else is running forward and getting ready to block. He's not moving. False start on the center once again. <laughs> You are supposed to be arguably the smartest guy on that team, and you don't know the snap count. Come on. And, and Brandon's blood pressure just went up by 100 points. Doesn't that drive anybody oh, else just insane? Crazy. Like, it's one thing for the tackle, right? Like, even the tackle's inexcusable. The quarterback, that's another big no-no. <laughs> the wide receiver, once in a while, you kind of get lined up. Your body's yeah, maybe leaning up. forward. You get antsy. The running back, same thing. The center... The center? Come on. That's the worst. It all revolves around you, buddy. That is literally the worst. The damn center. And you're at home. There's no noise. You, there's, no, there's nothing to draw you off. You can point to the D-line and say, they kept shifting over. Who cares? They're not rushing in. They're shifting over. You should be used to seeing that in practice. I was going to say, Oregon State's line does that all the time. <sighs> Goodness gracious. Okay, let's 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 tra- let's... Move over to a couple damn questions. Okay, let's get some damn questions. Let's get some good amount of damn questions in this weekend. Yeah, I, got, I got one from, it was a few days ago. But, let's hit them um, fast. Hit them fast. Lord, let's go. Lord Chainsaw wants to know, this might actually be a topic for next week because okay. I think it's a good debate, but is it time for Oregon State to eliminate stadium re-entry? Is the stadium experience, videos, band, et cetera, helping or hurting? What was the attendance? It looked good for me when I... 37,000. 37? A little over 37,000. Do you buy it was really 37? No. What do you think it was? Probably 34. Okay. But it looked, you know, I saw TV. It looks good. Yeah, TV didn't look too bad until the end of the game when it was freaking midnight. <laughs> um, you know, I'll, I'll say I'll say no. And the reason I'd say no, I like the idea, but reason I would say no, because I think if he gets this thing to a winner, it's going to be like every other school that starts to win football games. They'll stop doing it more and more. You'll still have people that will always go to their tailgate and drink. But I think if this team becomes a top 25 program, it will be just like it was when Riley was in his heyday in 08-09. People will stop leaving. They will stay in their seats because they love these teams. So I would say no, don't stop that. Let people continue to do it. Attendance will get better. It should get better. And uh, ultimately, it'll stick once they become a top 25 program. Good. That works. That's, I don't know. I'm torn. But I agree with you. I think once they win, that will... Would you like it to stop? Well, okay. As a fan, if I was a fan, I'd probably say no. Okay. Because, I mean, I used to love jumping out and running to a tailgate halftime. But as, you know, someone that covers the team and looking across the stadium and seeing no one in the stands, 
it's a little, you know, two different views, but just just open up the bar up in the press box and we'll all be happy. <laughs> it's turned into Angie just wanting to booze at halftime. Yes, exactly. Okay, so... Um, I have got a couple here um, on Beaver Blitz. Orcas 55, Connor Blount. Will he start this year on any of the remaining games? Um, unless McMarion gets hurt or throws like eight picks, I hope not. Um, I, I think that's it's probably a little harsh, but the reality is he's a scout team quarterback, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it was, he jumped McMarion. I think McMarion's clearly the better player, um, so barring injury, I hope not. Okay, we have Coach Morrow, OSU, asking how do players like David Fangupo, Taylor Thomas, and the Mission guys factor into this upcoming recruiting class? Will they all count against this class, and what space is left if they do? Um, so, Coach Morrow, I am actually still trying to figure out a couple of these guys. I last I heard, David Fangupo is still doing work. He's not qualified yet, so um, you know he was actually a signee last February, didn't qualify, so. Um, you know, I don't know how long Oregon State waits for him, to be honest, if he can't get qualified. Yeah. Taylor Thomas has told me all along he's coming in January, but I do not believe Oregon State is recruiting him any longer. Is his first name Jonathan? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Just Taylor <laughs> Thomas. Um, and then the mission guys, um, really the big one I'm watching is Christian Folau. He was the big linebacker out of Utah. He will not be back until... Uh, July. So um, there's some time there. They will always figure out a way as far as where they count. Um, you know, it'll, depending on when they get here, if Oregon State continues to recruit these mission guys. You know, Simi Moala is a guy that won't be back until January of 18. So um, those are a couple of the names that, of the guys that left with Coach Anderson's first class. So um, it'll, they, you know, will count against However, you know, they're, they have creative accounting, I guess is what, an easy way to say what I'm doing. What I'm saying is um, depending on, you know, guys with academic issues and such, they are able to fill those spots, you know, with those guys. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do expect we see a, a name that we have not heard come out of nowhere, um, you know, like a Gus Lavaca this year um, as these mission guys come back. But you got to remember, mission guys – they're wide open again, and a lot of times they've given up football or they've gained way too much weight or they've lost too much weight yeah. or um, they're kind of it's, – it's kind of a wild ride with them. So um, it's not a given that they'll come back and be a beaver. Sweet. Good stuff. Do you have any? Uh, I don't have a computer that's functioning how I want it to function in front of me oh, right now. Gotcha. Okay. There was a couple of Twitter ones. I said one from Jack. There was another one we got this morning on Twitter – uh, and I can't. I feel like his name was Josh, but I don't have the question in front of me right now. Okay, it's right here. Coach A's first recruiting class, LDS Mission recruits on campus next season. Okay, so that was we just answered that one, Josh. Okay. Josh Spencer, um, a surprise signee in the seventeen class. You'd have to answer that one. You, you're way more in tune yeah, with that than I, I am. You know, um, I, like I said, I just put a big, ginormous, long post in the lodge. Um, kind of breaking down, guys. I do think there'll be a surprise. There always is. Right now, I'll go with Jamari Calvin, the four-star wide receiver out of L.A. Cathedral. I love it. That's great so, news for Beaver fans. That's that's right now, but like these are seventeen-year-old kids. Yeah, this changes. Oh yeah, it's very fluid. You no, know, um, I'm getting amped. I will say this: I've gotten amped the last two or three years. I used to, and I think I've told you this in the past. I never used to be into recruiting at all. And I never followed it. I didn't care about it. It's like the last three or four years, 
Well, th- I'll say three years because I think I met you four years ago. The last three years, like I love it. Like we bring you on every year. We talk about Oregon State stuff on signing day. Uh, we do Justin Hopkins at Duck Territory. Like I love getting into this recruiting stuff. Like I oh, love these tidbits about these kids. And you know, there were years years ago that I thought, oh gosh, this is. But it's fun. It's so fun to you know see these guys and. Um, you follow them, you kind of know their backstories and, um, you know, hopefully I can bring you guys some backstories, you know, as we go and, um, you know, just fun little tidbits along the way. No doubt. Is there any other uh, questions we didn't get to last week that we want to try to answer real quick? Well, that's, I, I didn't pull those up. Okay. Well, I pulled up Josh's was, or, uh, more chainsaw was one. Okay. All right. Last week. Um, so maybe we talk about that next week about the attendance stuff. If you have Let's an opinion on that. Yeah, if you have an opinion on reentry, yeah, reentry for research, email or a tweet or post it in a live. Also, I want to ask this question to listeners: Stew on this, and maybe we can talk about this on the next podcast. What is it stopping Oregon State fram, uh, fan from going to these home games? For all the talk about the team down south, I will say this: they're there every single Saturday, win or lose. Why can't we fill the stadium? Every single Saturday in Corvallis. I'm very curious what people and, and think about like that. And that's like another 45 minutes south of Portland. Yes. You know, it's, 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 it's a, a nightmare. Drive. It's like an yeah. extra hour drive after a game. I want to know what is it that's stopping Beaver fans from going to these games. We love the program. We want them to be good. What is stopping them from going to these games and filling that stadium? So we'll talk about that Great next question. week. Great question. That's for you fans. Okay. Uh, anything else? No, well, let's. I can't wait to talk about Stanford next week. Yeah, we'll talk about the Stanford game, and uh, they play. Who do they play after Stanford? UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, that's right. We'll talk about the Bruin game. Thank you. The Beavers are going to the Rose Bowl. Ah, in a different way. But we'll talk about that. (laughs) We'll talk about that next week. Go to BeaverBlitz.com. Sign up at Angie Machado One. Give her a follow. She's a great follow. I am Brandon Sprague, 1080 The Fan, 12 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday, Dirt and Sprague. Catch the radio show. We'll catch you next week for another edition of the damn podcast. Thank you, everybody, that has been listening this season. We'll talk to you next week.